Parents, welcome to another episode of The Journey, a podcast intended to educate, equip, and entertain you as we talk about important issues facing our families. PCA is a Christ-centered, biblically-based, and family-focused community of committed believers doing life together. We hope the information you hear on this podcast informs and inspires you to be a better parent. Welcome to The Journey. All right, parents, welcome back to The Journey. This is Dan Panetti. I've got a good friend, Alicia Wood, who came and spoke at our BWI, and I can't remember how many years ago. It's like three or four years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. Something like that. Maybe four <laughs> or five even. It was crazy. I remember Are it was a serious? really, really cool time. Yeah. Yeah. Time flies. And, and actually, yeah, COVID was in between that. So who knows how long it really was. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> you are an apologist. Yes. Um, which means you give a defense for the faith um, and you are fantastic. I loved um, meeting you and I loved how you connected with our kids when you were here. Um, and so uh, we were just talking earlier. I was like, I've got to get you back on our BWI track and, and bring yeah. you back in here in the future. So yeah. Alicia, welcome. Welcome to talking to our parents on our parent podcast. Thank you. So happy to talk to parents. Listen, raising children is really difficult right now. So I'm really happy to be able to help parents any way I can. Yeah. So, so let's talk about um, when I, when I reached out to you, we were chatting and um, I was kind of like, you know, what do you want to talk to parents about? And you threw out the, the big word you threw out deconstructionism. Um, and it's fantastic. I was like, oh, that's so good because our BWI this year, that's kind of the theme behind it. Um, it's called Anchored in the Faith. And what we're doing is we're looking at reasons why people have given for why they've walked away from their faith, for why they've deconstructed their faith. And what we're doing is we're addressing each of those particular reasons that people have given to, that walk, that, for why they walk away from their faith. And so I was like, I was excited because that's just, that's coming up, you know, uh, November 1st and 2nd here. And I was like, man, I, I want to talk to Alicia about your perspective and what you're seeing in terms of deconstructionism and what our parents need to know about that particular issue. And so what, what are you seeing um, on this issue of deconstructionism, like what's what what's kind of the the themes that are kind of rising up that you're paying attention to? Yeah, you know, well, first of all, I mean, it it is interesting because it it seems like you know, as an apologist, I've I've gone from being like, hey, here's evidence for the resurrection, or here's evidence credited by the Bible, to be dealing with the latest cultural thing that right. feels like it's one up to Christianity. Yep. You know, whether it's the sexuality and gender thing, whether it's race stuff, whether it's cancel culture, whether it's deconstruction, it's like, oh, we have the latest thing that's going to finally say put the nail on the coffin for Christianity. Um, but when I look at the questions that people ask about deconstruction they're really a lot of the same ones like over and over again. So yeah, yeah. there's not, they're not even really new questions. So Marty Sampson, who was the Hillsong worship leader, I don't know if he still is there, but he raised things about preachers failing, miracles not happening, the Bible being full of contradictions, um, the topic of hell, these kind of things. And he's like, nobody's talking about them. And I remember when I was reading his Instagram post on this and he said, nobody's talking about them. I'm talking about those for years. I have a career in talking about them. Like apologies. Who's not talking about that? Who has not talked about hell or why we don't see healings and miracles like we want to? Like philosophers, theologians for thousands of years suffering and dealing with these kind of questions. Like I'm not not sure where he's been. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those things that was so confusing to me. 
you know, and, and this just makes me wonder, you know, are we, are we not expanding into the other realms of Christianity and Christian teaching that is out there? And do we not even, not, not even aware? Like, I feel like he's telling the truth. Like he feels like nobody's talking about it, but it's almost like, well, have you looked, have you, yeah. I mean, looked at the books and the philosophers and the apologists that have been writing on these topics. Um, other people, obviously the gender thing is going to be a, a big deal. I think that's Absolutely. a big deal for, for Joshua Harris, um, particularly the pastor who wrote the famous book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye and Boy Meets Girl. And, um, you know, there's this whole thing on the quote unquote purity culture and this kind of stuff. But, you know, I think Joshua Harris felt really bad about some of the things, the ways that his book, quote unquote, hurt people and harm people. Yeah. And, you know, to, apologized profusely, took it off the shelf and all these things. But he also spoke about sexuality and purity and these things. And so when he kind of deconstructed, he was really like sympathetic and apologetic to the to the harm that he that he believes he caused to the LGBTQ community. And right. I think a day or and two it, after his Instagram post, he was at a gay pride parade. So for him, I think the issue might be sexuality. And Common topic. Jen Hatmaker, same thing, right? She's got a daughter who's come out, right, as as being a lesbian. And so all of a sudden, um, somebody who was probably not necessarily, you know, kind of in the necessarily Orthodox Christian, um, but in the in the middle of kind of Christianity uh, and speaking out on those things, she and her husband down in Austin, next thing I know, right, she's got a podcast and she's into being all, your authentic you and living your identity and, you know, has completely left what I would consider uh, orthodox, you know, historical Christianity to now, um, Christianity is basically whatever I want it to be. I can, I can be whatever I want yeah. it to be and I can just manipulate it to me. Yep. Um, God yep. is whatever makes me feel good. And I'm like, okay, so we, you know, we've definitely left, uh, you know, and so you, you, yeah, I've, I've seen that same thing. Um, it was a big thing for me when um, I've had a couple of boys on a college campus um, and they said that a lot of kids on the college campus were listening to Rhett and Link um, yeah. And they were, you know, Rhett McLaughlin, uh, Link Neal were both guys who were on staff at Crew, um, you know, kind of, you know, did the Christian ministry thing, you know, we're out there, um, you know, speaking, uh, you know, administering, and all of a sudden, both of them walked away from their faith, uh, have a have a very popular, you know, podcast, you know, um, the Ear Biscuits or whatever it is, and, you know, yeah. millions of people listen yeah. to it. And, yeah. and, you know, and Parker's like, um, you know, it's like, hey, you need to, you need to address this particular issue. And so that's what kind of put it in the back of my mind that we need to be talking about these things with our kids because they're being exposed to a lot of people who have, in a sense, walked away from the faith uh, and they're being influenced by that. So here's my question to you from, from our parents, right? Is what does that mean? What does that mean for a person to walk away from their faith? Uh, and as a parent, how do I ground my kid then in the faith of Christianity so that they're prepared for those pushbacks as they get older? Yeah, well, that's those are two big questions. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> yeah. You know, what, what, what does it mean? I mean, essentially, you know, this deconstruction, um, I don't know, movement or whatever, isn't anything new. I mean, right. we have, we have watched Christian deconstruction just basically means that somebody's looked at their faith and, and analyzed it and decided, Hey, you know, the pieces don't work anymore. And so I'm taking it apart. I'm, 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 I'm taking apart what was constructed, constructed and, and deconstructing it. And now I'm saying, I don't believe the pieces don't fit. They don't work. They don't have good answers. Right. And, and so now some, some of the people, so there's, there's two parts of it. And I know you're going to get there, but, but there's two parts, I think, um, a person who's been raised in the church and in a sense, their faith is kind of their parents and it's kind of the traditional, mm -hmm. um, right. From, from that standpoint, if they're deconstructing their faith and they're kind of getting down to the, what do I really believe? Um, and then they walk away with the, you know what, I believe the Bible's true. Um, not because my parents told me, but because it is true. And I believe that I believe, you know, that Jesus Christ is the son of God. 
not because the church just teaches that, because it is true. So there's a part of deconstructionism, which is actually a positive aspect of kind of throwing off a belief just because it was handed to you and actually gaining it as your own. But then there's that negative part of it where you're throwing off these things and you're saying, well, I can't believe that anymore. Um, and just because the church teaches it or just because my parents believe it, right? Like I don't believe that anymore. And so, right, from a parent standpoint, the word deconstructionism doesn't need to be scary um, because your your kids really need to make their faith their own. Um, but in a sense, you need to reconstruct based on biblical principles. And what I've seen is a lot of these people aren't reconstructing their faith based on biblical principles. They're going back to cultural norms and whatever's popular in the day. And they're, and they're, they're having a faith that's produced by, so Rhett and Link, the same thing, right? You know, Rhett was asked, well, what are you going to teach your kids? Right. And he's like, well, I'm going to kind of let them discover it on their own. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's some principles of Christianity that I'm going to give them because I like them. And I'm just Mm -hmm. like, that doesn't make any sense, right? Christianity is not a buffet. You don't, you yeah. don't get to pick and choose, yeah. right? Like I like, you know, chicken and, and I don't eat red meat. It's like, that's right. not Christianity. Right. right? So, right. so that's, that's an interesting thing to, to watch, you know, from a parent perspective um, is you need to make sure that your kids kind of grasp that idea of what is historical Christianity, right? That's based on the word of God in the Bible. And if you really think that you can pick and choose verses or pieces of that, but not gain the whole thing, I don't think Christianity allows you to do that. What do you yeah. think about that? Well, yeah, I mean, and I think that there's an aspect where we want people to question what they believe. So going back to what you yes. said about mommy and daddy believe this. Okay, mm-hmm. great. I don't want you to follow Christianity and, and say Jesus is, you know, your Messiah and all of these things because mommy and daddy said it. And it's a right. normal part of people of any religion, no religion, sometime between, you know, 14 and 24 or something like that, where you begin to start to think, do I really believe this is true? And you begin to analyze it. And that's, you can be a Muslim, you can be a Hindu, you could be an atheist, whatever. I mean, that's not specific to Christianity. And people convert out of their childhood belief systems all the time. So there is an aspect in which, yes, you need to analyze. And I want people to, I want people to know why they believe, why they say they love. Can you say you love God? What does that mean? Why do you love Mm -hmm. him? And, 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 and all of these things. And I want people to do that because I don't want people to follow something blindly. Christians get accused of this all the time. Jesus did not encourage a blind faith, but Christians do sometimes follow blindly or oftentimes follow blindly. They don't have the evidence to back it up. So I do think that that is what we should be doing is analyzing, going through this. Don't think that, oh my goodness, I'm questioning God thinks I'm the scum of the earth and he hates me, but go through this natural healthy process of analyzing. What makes the deconstruction piece a bit, uh, uh, goes the next step further would be this idea that they actually take apart the pieces and they say, therefore Christianity isn't true. And oftentimes they just leave the puzzle undone. So if you think about if you think about Christianity as like a thousand piece puzzle, let's say, and you say, okay, I've got problems with 250 of the pieces. So the whole thing, the puzzle doesn't work. It doesn't fit together anymore. So you take the whole puzzle apart. Great. But now you have a thousand piece puzzle sitting in front of you on the table. What now will you do with the pieces? Like you can't leave it unfinished. And people just kind of say, I don't believe this anymore. And they leave the puzzle unfinished and they walk away from the table and they never put the pieces back together. But you have to, because those pieces talk about your moral code. Those pieces determine whether or not you think humans are valuable. Those pieces determine whether or not there's a meaning to life. In other words, you can leave those pieces there and those questions unanswered, but you will still form your own answer to morality, your own answer to meaning, your own answer to value, your own answer to how do we get here and all these things. And what are you basing that on? Yes. My yeah, thing you, is, yeah, you can't just leave the puzzle undone. No, you no. you will live your life according to some particular 
moral code. The yes. question is, where does that moral code then come from? Because exactly. the problem is, right, if, if Alicia has her moral code and Dan has his moral code yep. and Bob has his moral code and Jim has his moral code, right? This is what Sam Harris wrote is, right, is the evolution, um, moral codes will develop um, societies will develop their own moral codes. Well, the problem with that is we've already tried that experiment, <laughs> right? We went back to the 1930s. Germany developed its own moral code and the rest of the world went, no, 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 you, you can't do that, right? So there's the problem with this subjective moral code that everybody just kind of gains their own is um, then you can never say a person is wrong in anything. There has to be an objective moral code. There has to be a, a picture on the box so yeah. that when we put the pieces of the puzzle together, at the end, we say, hey, it looks like the picture on the box. Exactly. That's when I know that the puzzle is complete because it looks like yeah. the picture on the box. What's the box? Well, yeah. the box is the word of God. The box is the reality in which we live. And if we can't produce a moral code that fits the reality in which we live, right, then how do we tell Nazi Germany, hey, you can't do that? Mm -hmm. Right. And then the problem with right in the Nuremberg trials, as all those people are just sitting there saying, hey, I was just following orders. Yeah, <laughs> we said we said, no, mm -hmm. you can't use that as an excuse. Right. So we, we've already tried that and, and it doesn't work. Um, I, one of my favorite books uh, is uh, The Revenge of Conscience by um, Jay Budashevsky, right, where he's he's writing about this idea of, um, you know, we can't just go through life pretending like there isn't a puzzle to put together. Right. You, you, you know, if you say that there's good, the only reason you understand that is because there's bad. If you say that there's dark, the only reason you understand that is because there's light. We know there's right and wrong and justice and injustice. We know that these things exist. So if you're going to live life and you're ever going to point to something and say, hey, that's unjust, that's not fair. Where do you get that from? Right. Exactly. And so people people steal <laughs> from the morality and the moral code of Christianity, but they just don't want to take the whole thing that goes with it. They don't right. want to take the idea that, well, how does this then affect my friend, right, who's living a homosexual lifestyle? Right. Well, what does the Bible say about homosexuality? It says it's wrong. Right. How does this affect my friend who's, you know, this, or how does it affect my family who's this? Or how does it affect this particular right? And the Bible says these particular things, and you've got to take that whole moral code that's given to you from an outside source. And that source is God. Otherwise, we're all just making up stuff on our own. And, you know, who are we to say anything's wrong or different or bad or right? So exactly. And so that's where we that's, are. That's oftentimes what people will do, though, is they'll say, look, I took up I don't like Christianity anymore. So it doesn't seem to hold up. So I take apart the pieces and I lay them on the table. Mm -hmm. But you know, though, though, what they will often do, because you can't really live like that in limbo land. <laughs> It's yeah. really not fun. You don't know how to make a decision in life. You don't know right. whether or not you should support Boko Haram or be anti-Boko Haram, support Hitler, be anti-Hitler, right? You don't really know <laughs> what to do. So what they'll do is they will they will reconstruct some of the pieces of the puzzle. Not so all of it. Not but, all of it. But some of it as but opposed some to what of they, it. right. Here's what exactly. I like. And I'll, exactly. I'll tell you, right? I'll tell you, this is wrong and this is right. But the stuff over there. I'm just going to ignore and go exactly, on. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So then they end up with a puzzle that, okay, so you put 200 pieces together, but the other 800 don't fit yeah. and they, they're okay to leave it unfit like that and, and to go on about their lives because they put together this tiny little thing. This is good enough. And, and so the question I have to ask the person who deconstructs is 
you can't do that. What is it that you are, that you are going to be able to reconstruct that uses every single piece of this puzzle. And, and this idea that you can just put a fraction of them together. Okay. So maybe you think you've sorted out the morality thing, but because you haven't put the whole puzzle together, you're going to find out that your little section of morality actually doesn't stand because the other 800 pieces don't fit with it. So Dan has his own um, moral standard. Alicia has her own moral standard. And in my moral world, which I can do what I want, it is to go over to Dan's house every morning and ring the doorbell 45 <laughs> times at 5 a.m. That's perfectly okay in my world, but that's going to be a problem for Dan because that's keeping his family awake at an yes. hour they don't want to be. That's right? annoying. So who's right doing that. <laughs> exactly. But he can't tell me because exactly. I'm doing what's right for me. So, so that's what we're seeing, especially in the area, right? We talked about SOGI, sexual orientation, gender identity. We're, mm-hmm. we're definitely seeing it in that world where people have a very difficult time telling people um, that God created male and female, right? Because you've got a young person's like, well, I'm a male, but I don't feel like it. And people are like, oh, okay. So w- what do I do with that? Right? Because the puzzle that I've, I've tried to reconstruct, I, it doesn't deal with these particular things where I don't know what to say to somebody who's got these feelings that I don't understand. And I, I think I disagree, but I don't want to be disagreeable. So we find ourselves in that that category of not really knowing what to do. And and unfortunately, a lot of parents are finding themselves in that category with their own kids, right? With their own children as their children are being raised and they're trying to figure out how do I, right, not oppress them, right, with my belief system, but how do I raise them up? And and the the, the concept is like, yes, when when your son or daughter, right, is wrestling with maybe their gender in some way, right? And it's like, how do I steer them towards truth Right. What does that look like? Because so many people are telling me, hey, you're just you're steering them towards your truth. But that's there's no universal truth. There's no just male and female. There's whatever you want to be. And our parents are wrestling with these things and trying to figure it out. They absolutely are. And it is hard because once see, once you take away the, an objective moral standard, now you come up with a subjective. How then do I know that that something is right or wrong? Well, we come up with alternatives. Maybe we look at our culture. What does our culture say is right or wrong? Maybe we look at our feelings. What are feelings? Maybe we use them as our arbitrator of right and wrong. Yep. Maybe we use our own just desires and wants. And so what happens is we end up pushing ourselves down a trail that we may think is right in the moment, but we really don't fully no. Right. And so, so here, um, with, with someone who like, if you were to go to a doctor and, um, like a, a therapist and talk about your fear of elevators, or your fear of escalators, one of the things that they're going to do, or even better for all the ladies out there, spiders, your fear of spiders and bugs, but one of the things that they do is they help you realize, okay, you have an unrealistic fear of something. Your body is sending you these emotional signals that are real and valid. These are real things sure. that are happening to you, yeah. but they are telling you something that isn't true. They're telling you, you need to be scared of that escalator. You need to be scared of that elevator. You need to be scared of that spider that is 10 feet away from you. And so what they do in therapy is they oftentimes try and get those emotions that are down in like your stomach area or, or, or heart area that, that are making you fearful. And they try and say, you need to interpret that through your mind. So yep. you need to, to put your mind with these emotions and put, make your mind put these emotions in check. And so in other words, say, Alicia, you don't have to be scared of that spider. It's not going to hurt you. It doesn't even care that you're there. It's in the corner. Or at least you don't have to be scared of that escalator. So how many people are on it? This fear, these fears are making you think irrationally. And so what therapists have done for generations is try and get the mind to be in control 
over the emotions because right. the emotions can mislead you to make poor decisions. But Facts then when it comes feelings. to this, yes. yes. But then when it comes to some of these issues in our culture, we are allowing our feelings to now be the arbitrator and saying, let's put our mind um, at rest. So when you look at something like gender and it says, well, I feel this way, that's completely valid. I think people do feel that way. I don't think that they're making it up necessarily. I think some people are confused about what they're necessarily feeling. But I mean, I couldn't tell you what it feels like to be a man. I don't know what it feels like to be a man. I've never been a man. So I, so when I say I feel like I'm a man, I don't even know what that would mean for me because I, I've never been a man. It's like me saying, well, I feel like I feel like I know what it's like to be Chinese. Well, I've never been Chinese. I can't say I feel like I know what it's like to be Chinese. But regardless, people have this 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 separation between their feelings yep. and, their, and their physical. And so what what you would expect then is we would do the same approach where your feelings are telling you this, I get that, but let's interpret this through your mind in your cells, in your body is located your DNA. And in your DNA, it's going to have either an XX or an XY. That's right. So there's, so, so no matter how you feel, you can't change these facts about you that biologically that you are something. And so you would think that's the way the therapist would argue this, but they don't, they actually just go straight for the feelings and affirm the feelings because they're so, Scared of yeah. maybe cultural that's, things, pressures, yeah. and all that's, this. Stuff. That's where we. That's where we are today. Um, you know, you and I have probably both read. Um, you know, Carl Truman's "The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self," and yeah, it's a four hundred book. You know, thing to, to to walk you through the last 150, 200 years of history to tell us how did we get here? Right? Because he starts he starts the book and he says, "If I said to my grandparents, right, I'm a man trapped in a woman's body, you know, my grandparents would think, oh, this is the start of a joke." <laughs> and he's like, that's a good point. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's not a joke anymore. Right. Because when our, when our kids say these things and instead of taking them back to the facts and taking them back to reality, right. We allow them to interpret reality based on their feelings. And then the rest of us all have to right change, right. How we interact with you based on what your feelings are. And, and we just, we know that that's not a good thing because my feelings right, can deceive me. We know scripture tells us, right, the heart is deceitfully wicked, right? We know that our feelings can deceive us. And it doesn't mean, I love what you said, it doesn't mean they're not real. Yeah. It doesn't mean the feeling is not real, right? For for a long time, right, within Christianity, it's like, oh, no, no, you don't feel that way. Don't say that. Yeah. (laughs) Right? The feelings are real, but then we have to conform to the reality and the facts that are around us. So I don't let my feelings dictate who I am. I don't let my feelings dictate how I go through life. Right. I understand that they're real, but my job, right, is to renew my mind every day. Right. Paul told me that this is where the battleground's going to be, right? Right here in your mind. And I'm going to take God's word and I'm going to let it speak into my mind to tell me the truth of who God has created me to be. And God said, I created you either male or female. So mm-hmm. if you don't feel like a male today, well, that's okay, but I created you to be a male. Right. Okay. Now, what does that mean? I'm a, I'm a male who, you know, likes artistic things and likes to dance and likes to wear pink. Okay. Well, the culture says, well, those are female things, whatever. <laughs> right. In some culture, they might be in other cultures. They may, whatever, who cares? Right. But at the end of the day, right. I, I'm a man who can wear pink. I'm a man who loves to dance. Yeah. I'm a man. Right. But, but God's word says I'm still a man. Yeah. So I've got to go back to that and I've got to let God's word dictate the reality in which I live. And then I, I bring my feelings into alignment with the reality of the facts that God has given me. And I think that's well, an important thing for our parents to remember yeah, when they're raising yeah. their kids. And, and that's why this deconstruction thing is, <clears throat> is so challenging mm-hmm. because essentially when you remove the, take a part of those pieces, you remove having an objective moral standard, 
you then don't know what to choose. You then don't know how do I interpret my feelings? Are my feelings the truth and I need to follow them or are they not? And so it leaves people in the state of confusion because they don't necessarily know where to go. And so now you're seeing this whole detransition movement of people who have transitioned um, and now maybe are five years on, 10 years on, and they're saying, oh my goodness, I was never trans in the first yeah. place. I still but have they, the same problems. They're I, even I, worse yeah, now. I'm now still what do depressed. I do? How do I go backwards? It's exactly. Like, oh, I'm still I feel, depressed. I feel so sorry for those videos that I see I of people who have gone through surgeries. Yeah. Surgeries, and they have yeah. changed Permanent. their biological. Right. Yes. I mean, young women who now will no yeah. longer have children. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a very, very wow. devastating thing. So, so important for us, right, as parents to have a, an objective standard, the word of God that we use yeah. to help filter those feelings through. And we, 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 we renew our mind, right. With the truth and the reality of scripture and God's word so that we can take our feelings, right. And make sense of them and help our kids make sense of them as well. Yes, exactly. And that's why, you know, I know people don't like the idea of there being a moral standard uh, because oftentimes we're not going to like the morality. It's like parents who have rules and the kids don't like it, but it's really there to help us. Imagine if God created us and didn't tell us how to live. Yeah. Like, imagine how cruel that would be. Yes. And so the idea that Christianity not just has a moral standard, but has a moral standard that's grounded in the character of a perfectly good being so that we can know we can trust that moral standard. It's not just arbitrary that he said rape is bad and love is good. It's actually grounded in a morally perfect being. So we actually can know rape is bad and love is good. Right. Like that should actually be freeing for us. It should be helpful because this life is so confusing. Yeah. And so when we deconstruct, we take these pieces apart and we don't have a good solution, a good way to put the piece back together. We are setting ourselves up for a very confusing lifestyle and a very confusing way to know how to determine whether or not we, how we should treat others, how we re- should respond to whether or not other people or what other people are doing is right or wrong, because we also can't see the future. And there are certain things that we do in life right now that we think is a good idea, but we look at it 10 years down the wrong, 10 years down the line, and we're like, oh, I made a bad decision. This is another reason why having an objective moral standard is helpful because God knows the future. He tells he so we can trust the morality is going to be the right thing, regardless of the outcomes and the circumstances. So this deconstruction just leaves us in la la land. Yeah. Your, your setup at the beginning of the puzzle, right. Is to me that like the perfect imagery, Um, you know, people, I don't like boundaries. Well, you do on Friday night when we're playing football, because otherwise we wouldn't know where to stop and where to begin. Right. You do when you put the, the puzzle piece together. All right. I need to be able to look at what it's supposed to look like at the end. You're not just giving me a thousand pieces and saying, hey, make anything you want. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, no, put the pieces together in a way so it looks like this particular standard. And I'm, I'm glad that God gave us a standard and that God gave us a, an objective truth and a reality that comes from his character so that we have something that we can measure our life against. Because otherwise I'm, I'm measuring my life against what feels good in the moment, or my, yeah. I'm measuring my life against your life, right? And, and then somehow we're in competition. And it's like, all of that doesn't work. And all of that leaves you unsatisfied. But when you measure it against the standard that God has given you, now you've got something, right? An objective reality that God can move you toward, right? The image of what he's created you to be. And I can put the puzzle piece together of life and it's like, oh, that's what it's supposed to look like. And that's where true joy and happiness really come from and understanding that. So Alicia, thank you. Alicia, thank you so much for just the conversation, right? Yeah. I'm glad you, you wanted to talk about this and uh, yeah. we're, we're going to have to get you back in for BWI because um, now that it's been how many ever years it's been, you know, those kids yeah. that have seen you have, have gone on and graduated and mm. graduated and we have to 
get a whole nother group of, uh, you know, our kids to, to see you and to get to hear from you. So. Oh, I'd love to. Cause one of the things that I, you know, I've told people over the, year, over the years I've bragged on you guys, but one of the things I love is that actually what you guys do is actually help fight against deconstruction in the sense yes. of you don't shelter the kids. Let's deal with all these issues. Let's talk about how, let's talk about unanswered prayers. Let's talk about right. all these things so that they won't really even get to the point of deconstruction. If you shelter people, then they're going to go somewhere and somebody's going to throw these ideas and they're not going to know what to do. But when you talk them, talk them through this, they're going to, nobody's going to be able to say like Marty did. Nobody's talking about it. They're going to say, I was talking about that at 12 years old. Correct. I was talking about that at 15 years old. And that's important. These, there are hard things about this biblical text and Christianity. So let's deal with it. Let's talk about it. And Love there it. are really good answers because you don't know an answer doesn't mean there is an answer it means you just don't know it. So go search for the answer. I love it. I love it. Alicia Wood, thanks for your time. Thanks for thanks, investing buddy. in our kids and look yeah. forward to having you in here, hopefully sometime soon. Great. Take care. All right. See ya. Thank you for investing the time to listen to this episode of The Journey. Please take a minute to share with friends and family who will also benefit from this valuable resource. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast app. It is truly our blessing and honor to walk with you on The Journey.